0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com.
2: to life is a never-ending week between Christmas and New Year's with your hosts Zara Tangora
3: and Nicole Bailey. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Hmm.
2: Yeah you
3: sound fine. You sound like you look fine. I do look fine, probably. Who can... No one... If, if you if you look attractive, but no one looks at you, do you even exist? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I just put on lipstick
2: and left the house because I thought it would cheer me up. and It didn't work. But I also forgot that I was going to be wearing a mask when I left the house. And now there's <laughs> lipstick all over my mask.
3: <laughs> and it's reading, also being
2: held together with safety pins.
3: I was reading some... Um, Person who was like, "I'm putting lipstick on every day underneath my mask," and I was like, "Okay, that's fine. Whatever you want to do. I don't wear lipstick ever." So right,
2: it will be weird if you started now. But I was just talking to Katie and Hannah from HRN, and we were having a little video conference, and they were like, "Oh, it's just like wearing sexy underwear
3: mm-hmm. when it's mm-hmm. just
2: for you." And I was like, "I never do that. I don't have. I don't either. No, never. And it's not that I don't like like." The person that I've been dating for like and I use that term very loosely because he probably wouldn't come to my funeral if I perished. Nor would anyone right now. But um the person <laughs> I've been dating uh. <laughs> Or and he definitely wouldn't invite me to his. Um, but I asked him when like when the first couple months of us dating, I was like, What do you think about like lingerie? Like trying to like start a flirty conversation. I was like, I'm in the lingerie department of Macy's. And he's like, it can be it can be cool for the right person. <laughs> so I have not worn any since.
3: Were you talking about him or you?
2: No, I just think he was, like, saying, like, a hotter person maybe than me could wear it. Or I don't know. He certainly wasn't trying to engage in it and be like, you should get some. Let's put it that way.
3: I feel like I'm fine with getting some if a guy's, like, super into it. However, it's fucking expensive. And it's just one more woman text. Exactly. And- I don't like it and I also don't think it's, it's like it's expensive you have to take all these extra fucking steps to clean them like it's just a whole part of my life that I'm happy I don't have to worry about I think they're pretty and they're cool but yeah. you know but I'm trying yeah. to like maybe save my marriage from divorce at one point in my life maybe I'll check it out
2: yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all very philton of you um what else has been going on have you cooked anything this week for yourself
3: um i don't know what did i make that was good. oh i made a spicy bean and cheese bake thing it's like a riff. it's all from the goddamn new york times the failing new york times
2: uh (laughs) i was gonna say i know what recipe
3: that is so there's like they have a cheesy bean bake which i think is delicious and then they have like a spicy bean bake which is like the same thing but spicy with black beans Um, but a little spicy yeah, and I put a bunch of cheddar cheese on it. Basically, what I realized is you can just do whatever you want with it. Um, and season the beans however you want. The most important thing is that you just like stick it in the oven at the end and melt the cheese.
2: Sure. Yeah, cooking it, it is important.
3: We <laughs> you realize
2: you're, that you're cooking
3: most... it on the top on the stovetop
2: beforehand. Oh. Are you are you using dried beans? Like are you drying them and then No. Or... Soaking them and then boiling You just
3: Please. can't be. Yes.
2: <laughs> so you're literally full of beans.
3: I don't want to take the extra time to hand wash my underpants. There's no way I'm going to soak some <laughs> goddamn beans for 12 hours or whatever the hell you have to do.
2: What if you soaked your underpants and washed the beans?
3: I guess maybe that could work. Yeah. Just switch it up.
2: Um, yeah. Interesting. I heard that that column that reoccurs Wednesday, every other Wednesday in the New York Times has been canceled. What column? Uh, the cheesy, the author of The Cheesy Beans. Well, I don't know who the author is. Alison Roman.
3: Oh, she came up with The Cheesy Beans? Oh, I that. think it's her Cheesy Beans, yeah. I don't think it is her Cheesy Beans.
2: Really? Ooh, I thought no. it was. But anyway, no. her, her column it, seems to have been canceled. That's, I'm surprised. I know. It didn't come out this week, at least.
3: Oh, then it hasn't been. <laughs> that's. <laughs> they haven't canceled it unless they officially announce it.
2: Right, it's just been postponed. They're just, like,
3: laying low. Right,
2: right, right, right.
3: I don't read that column. I just read Sam Sifton's email that he sends out, like, 400 times a week about what to cook. And I never cook anything that he he says. But I enjoy reading everything that he says because he's a real, like, parental figure.
2: Oh, I love Sam Sifton. I think he's great, and he's an amazing writer. He's a very, very, very talented writer.
3: Yeah, Um, he just... um, he linked to the cheesy beans. I am almost positive that they're not Alice Romans because I would I would have thought of that because I talk about them a lot and a bunch of people that I know make them a lot. So okay.
2: Got it. I thought they were beans. Like,
3: no. I mean, hey, there's an easy way to find out. Let's just find out right now.
2: If you say <laughs> Alice and Roman in the mirror three times, you turn to beans.
3: <laughs> I wish I could amount to a hill of beans.
2: That's funny. <laughs> I made kanji the other day.
3: I'm not into that.
2: Oh, well, you can go fuck yourself then. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Why don't you climb a tree? I made (laughs) kanji. It was delicious. I watched it. I ate it while I was watching the Gloria Swanson movie, Sunset Boulevard.
3: Oh, I love that movie. Oh,
2: my goodness. I just... I'm feeling horribly under the weather emotionally the past couple days and the only thing other than talking to you on the phone for four hours that brings me any joy is watching like really tragic old hollywood starlets
3: oh yeah it's sorry just to interrupt it's ali's slagle not oh thank the lord okay yeah, keep long. making the
2: beans everyone it's fine, fine <laughs> it's fine to make the beans without any kind of blowback Except for farts.
3: Sometimes Boulevard Boulevard is great because you feel like, okay, well, my life isn't that bad.
2: Oh, yeah. And it's also just proof, which we already know, obviously, but just another reaffirming thing that, like, being rich and famous is by no means equated with happiness.
3: Right. Well, they did a study, and they said the amount of money that it takes to be happy is around $70,000 per year.
2: Hmm. Right. So... I guess that depends. That varies state to state, though. Really, in New York, that's basically below the poverty
3: line, right? But that's what they're saying. Like they're like, basically, if you can meet all of your needs, the the amount that money is able to impact you, then plateaus after that, right?
2: Totally. And that was just a joke. Obviously, that's a terrible thing to say. Seventy thousand dollars a year is nowhere near poverty, but um, it definitely would go a lot further in like Oklahoma, rural. Yes,
3: where I'm going to move. Yeah. At this point,
2: I would literally, I mean, people keep asking me, they're like, are you going to leave New York? Which I've been offended by up until now. Because they don't
3: remember that you're from here. Right. And I'm like, am I going to leave
2: New York? No, I'm not going to leave New York. Like, why would I do that? I, My parents are here. I've lived here my entire life. Um, no, I'm not leaving New York. But just now when you said that, I was like, fuck it. I'm ready to leave
3: New York. <laughs> well, a lot of people are leaving. So, like all those articles came out, because like the population of New York was already dwindling. Like it went down by a half percent last year, I guess. Which oh, wow. doesn't sound like a lot, but it is for this city. Um, also, fewer immigrant people came in, and it's the first time that has been happen- had happened in 2019. Wow. Uh, so, like people, it's because I mean, there's the reasons are obvious. Like you can't just like move to New York right now as a 22 year old and like kind of fuck around until you make it because you won't be able to afford your $1,300 a month with four roommates apartment. Yeah,
2: I know it's insane. So,
3: yeah. So it's like, but I think that a lot of people are leaving at least in my like social group, like my, I, I keep seeing things on Instagram. I have a friend who used to live in Mazpeth who I think is moving to Philadelphia. And, uh, um, I've
2: never been to Philadelphia. Isn't that weird?
3: It, I have not either, so
2: I know. It's just, like, so close
3: to here. It's so close. So you can, like, walk <laughs> could, there. Yeah, we could walk there. We could skip
2: there, even, honestly. Or run, whatever. We could get I mean, there on I'm, foot. I don't even
3: know if they're, they're... Are they letting us leave New York? No, no. We're not welcome
2: in Philadelphia. That's, that's <laughs> not anymore. In the past, we could have gone. But now it's over.
3: How about it's
2: cheesesteak? Who cares?
3: I was reading this article. Like, I was like, are, is everyone leaving? And I'm like, it's too soon to tell, obviously. But, um... This article that I read was so annoying. It was like, wh- why everyone's leaving New York and where they're going. First of all, they didn't say where anyone was going. Because that's what I actually was curious about. I'm like, what's a good comparable city? Um, and second of all, the couple that they profile had just moved here. And they're from like nearby. Like They could have just moved to Philadelphia, but they decided to try it in New York. Mm. Um, and their, like, sublease is up in April. I'm like, you guys had a sublet here for six months. Yes, you guys should definitely leave New York and go back to Philadelphia. Like, yeah, yeah to you. I'm not, you're not the person I'm talking about. Like, people that have lived here for 12 years like me, are they leaving? Where are they going? Can I come with them?
2: <laughs> Can I fit in your suitcase? Can I cling to the bottom of your car? Like, you take fear.
3: <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but it happens a lot in the movies. I just feel like you burn huh. fingers on stuff. <laughs>
2: Dude, that's the most dangerous way to travel. Honestly, go any other way except for that.
3: You think so? Like, statistically?
2: Statistically, clinging to the the bottom of someone's car is 100% the most dangerous way to travel.
3: But it is the creepiest way to travel. Oh, yeah.
2: It's, it is the, definitely the creepiest. 100 Oh, my God. It's being creepy. I just saw
3: well,
2: something that I think is very funny on the internet um, is that people have been... Comparing J Lo's house to the house in Parasite,
3: oh, that it looks, looks
2: the same and
3: blah blah blah. And I have also- not seen that, but wait, that reminds me of something really quick. There, <laughs> there is a meme of some other famous person showed a picture of, like Justin Bieber's house or something, uh-huh. and people are like, "That you look like you live in a community college." Like, it just looks <laughs> <so> <laughs> yes, his, yes,
2: his house looks like a community college. It is crazy <laughs> looking. It's the ugliest house I've ever seen. It's <laughs> so funny to me. Yeah, it's, it's insane. But then again, he's notorious for riding underneath a car, so who knows? Uh, he invented it. Um, but anyway, no. so there's been, like, all these memes about J-Lo looking like she lives in the house with Parasite. And today, she posts a picture of her in her home gym, and if you zoom in really close in the back, there's, like, a weird, suffering man's face.
3: Oh, my like, God! <laughs>
2: coming up from the concrete you have to google it it's one of the funniest things all listeners out there please please give it a google it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen at first you won't (laughs) notice but then when you like zoom and zoom and zoom it's really funny
3: oh my god jlo god bless
2: you yeah she is keeping a prisoner in her home i want to quickly read something where
3: i mean obviously she did that as a joke though right no
2: no it's not a joke it's not intentional at all
3: Oh, I thought she was like, oh, all these people are saying that my house looks like. Oh no,
2: mm -mm. no, no, no! It's like actually real.
3: So I want to. She doesn't have a prisoner in her home.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. She no, no. She might have a prisoner. Yes, she has a prisoner in her home. Sorry, I was reading
3: something. Yeah, Jayla does, and she does not have a prisoner in her home.
2: Okay, well, take a look at this picture and tell me that she doesn't have someone who's like half buried in cement behind her home gym it's <laughs> okay, just a screaming man's face he looks like a, either that or it's a ghost it's terrible
3: <laughs> it's maybe it's a scary. ghost from three man and a baby oh god i wait gutenberg
2: gutenberg no. dancing salick
3: yeah but you know there's like the famous scene in that where they walk through a room and there is a little boy hiding behind the curtains but there's no that like, there was no little kid on set that day
2: no i didn't know that what this is like a famous hollywood thing oh my god i love that that's amazing
3: yeah i rewound it with my sister like a million times it's like chilling because it's just like behind the curtains there's like a little boy and he's not supposed to be in the scene and it's very scary but people say that it's because so in the movie there's a cardboard ted danson who plays an actor um has a cardboard cutout of himself in the apartment um And people say that it's that, but it's definitely not that. But it is very, it's like one of those mysteries. Do
2: I love like creepy movie like things like that? That's amazing.
3: Also, let's talk about Three Men and Baby for a second. Those guys were all like wealthy dudes. And they all had roommates in New York. (laughs) I know.
2: It makes no sense. Because usually it's like the opposite when you watch like movies from the 80s it's usually it's
3: just so the premise of course as a child i didn't it didn't strike me as odd that three men and like they're mid-30s i mean nowadays yes you have to still live with roommates until you're dead because you can't afford apartments in new york but in the 80s a successful architect and an actor and whatever the hell steve gutenberg was supposed to be um or was he the the architect i
2: don't remember but what is steve gutenberg ever supposed to be that's Um, a terrible name for fame gutenberg you gotta tighten that up (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, they have now. They call him like the Goot or whatever, right? The
2: Goot. His career is still going strong.
3: Um, anyway, sorry no, I digress. No, but I no, just, it's interesting because it's the this opposite is the, of goals. No one is no one is talking about this, and people need to talk about this.
2: Absolutely, we need to shine a light. Um, <laughs> it's the opposite of Ghost, where like they live in that gigantic fucking honestly, an apartment that would cost like seventy million dollars today, and they neither of them have a job.
3: Right, but that's like back then in you know, the 1800s, and that movie was made. <laughs> you, could, you could live in... I mean, I just watched After Hours at... Scor- like, Scorsese is, like, one of his first movies. So everyone in that movie is living in, in like, Soho loft but they're still, like, all, like, run down and
0: right. whatever. Yeah. And there's
3: this, a scene where he, like, ends up in this woman's loft, and, she, you know, it's all one giant room. But around her bed, she has side-by-side-by-side-by-side mousetraps all around her bed because... <laughs> 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 because she's worried about a man trying to kill her or breaking into her place, but also uh-huh. because of mice. So I just, it's just like, yeah. you know, the ghost loft is just back when you could have a whole loft for like thirty bucks.
2: I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's why it's extra weird about three men and a baby because it's like the same time and then oh, yeah,
3: right, yeah, what like, the hell? It's
2: like, it doesn't make sense. Like, get on the same page, 1980s.
3: Very strange. It's crazy. Nicole. I mean, also like it? the thing is, is like, a lot of people have probably said this, but people said this. I mean, they're supposed to be gay, like they're, you know. But and, like, there's three mm. of them though, so like, I don't. I mean, I guess they could be in a throuple. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're in a throuple. The point is, is one of them gets someone pregnant. So, I mean, I'm just saying, you can't be gay and have sex with a woman, but still. <laughs>
2: Something stinks about this movie. There's I a have lot
3: about... of questions I have about three men and a baby. <laughs> Please, <Really? laughs>
2: listen to our new movie podcast, which we're actually starting. Um, Tom Selleck was in another movie where he played uh, a gay guy with a big mustache called in and out And it was filmed in my hometown of Northport, Long Island. That's
3: Kevin Klein.
2: Yeah, and Tom Selleck.
3: Oh, Tom Selleck plays the reporter? Yeah, they're babes. They fall in love.
2: Right, 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 right. I know my Tom Selleck from my Kevin Klein.
3: I love In and Out. It was supposed to be like it's like people can be. It's like gay. A movie about being gay for like my mom to watch.
2: Exactly, so it's an entry gay. level gay movie. Also, I'm sorry, but like the fact that it's called In and Out, I understand kind of, but it's also like <laughs> reminds people of you know sex. In and <laughs> out, in and out, in and out, in and out. It's never,
3: it's never thought. I never thought of it that way.
2: I hadn't either until just now, but that's because I haven't thought of it since before I had had sex. (laughs) Did you say you had some good news to share?
3: Oh, yeah. So I decided instead of um, being negative and just reading the typical news of the day, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is (laughs) Mm -hmm. just shitty, um, I thought I would get some articles that are not sad. So... The first article that I came across was, um, that Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade, there's a documentary that's coming out about her Mm -hmm. and, um, actually I should look up what that documentary is. Sorry I just
2: saw something about this today, but I didn't, I was in a rush and I didn't get a chance to click and see more. So I'm glad you're bringing this up.
3: Um, I think it's called A.K.A. But her name is Norma McCorvey. But essentially... Oh, it's called A.K.A. Jane Roe. There we go. Um, essentially what she says at the end of the movie, like her deathbed confession, because she died in 2007 or something. Um, maybe 2017. Um, she said that she was paid to come out as a right-wing anti-abortionist after all that Roe versus Wade stuff happened. Um, really? Yeah, and there is there was a record of her getting um, like $450,000 in like gifts from the right wing, whatever people that were working with her on that. Um, So it would seem as though she was lying for cash, which I think is great. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It's really like weird. Like, you know, it's not like 100% joy news, but to me it struck me as joy because it's something that always bothered me that she, converted and 100% she's also like a queer person so like I don't know yeah I'm I'm glad that that came out um absolutely that is good news I'm happy that someone at least one less person became a born-again Christian
2: (laughs) (laughs) one more of those born-again Christians off the streets
3: um another one is super freaking cute although I don't think that I would do the same in their position um Although, I don't know. So this this family in Virginia, Caroline County, this is from the New 6 Richmond website, but I, it was linked to from an email that I got. But uh, basically, they found a million dollars in cash in the middle of the road. So they basically drove over these bags. They saw a car in front of them swerve, and they were like, what is this? And they didn't have time to swerve, so they drove right over it. Uh-huh. And so they saw that there were two huge bags in the street. They picked them up, threw them in the back of their truck, and then called the authorities, and they were like, yep, there's a million dollars in the back of your truck. (gasps) What? Yeah, so they took the money away from them and (laughs) gave it back to whatever evil establishment has a million dollars. But I just think that I would not call the authorities.
2: I mean, it depends because coming upon that kind of money is like, it was like we were saying yesterday with the um, going to jail that... um, if I found a million dollars, yes, of course it'd be great, but I'd always be worried that someone's coming to find me and get it.
3: I would just be like, maybe take out, like, 100000 Sure.
2: Or at least $100. <laughs> 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 I would hope that the person who, like, I don't know. I would just... I don't know what I would do. Would you really keep it?
3: No, I mean, there's tons of scary movies about finding that much money and then the people coming to kill you, like... Um, there's also some new movie, that maybe it was a series that got the girl from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in it that I saw where they find a bunch of money in the house that they live in or something and, oh, wow. uh, they use it to renovate their entire house and then the, the bad guys come and get them and the punishment is that they have to renovate the bad guy's mansion.
2: <laughs> what? Is <laughs> it a comedy or a horror? Yeah, it's a comedy. Oh, I thought it was like a a horror movie. I'm like, that does not sound scary unless you're very bad at renovating. I don't
3: know. No, but they have to just keep, they're like basically his, they're on retainer as their interior decorators. And if they mess something up, then they get killed, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. What is this movie called? And is Chaz Palmentary in it? I'm picturing Chaz Palmentary as being like the lead bad guy.
3: I have no idea. I saw a preview for it. I think it's a TV show or something a long time ago, like three days ago. (laughs) shark <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. I have
2: some late breaking news that is happening as we speak and I just sent it to you so I have just sent you a picture of what I was talking about I appreciate if you look at it on about, my phone? yes about Jennifer Lopez's um, the mysterious person in the back of her
3: okay.
2: picture we have now figured out who the mysterious person is
3: it's a cat
2: no it's not First,
3: look at First the of all. Okay, I'm looking at the where is the guy right behind her shoulder?
2: Yes, and now do you see it like zeroed in on him?
3: No. Oh, does it have does it have a zeroed in on him photo?
2: Yeah, it does. The picture I sent you, and he's like behind her shoulder, and then like on the bottom left corner, it's like the. Do you see that? We it's a guy there.
3: with a a mask on.
2: <laughs> right, so it looks like he's right behind her shoulder, like scarily, like in the background like, a random guy. So, they explain in this article, the man is actually just a person on a Zoom call with Alex Rodriguez, but you can see his computer from behind her.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told you that she didn't have a prisoner.
2: (laughs) So, this just in, you heard it here first, folks. J-Lo does not have a secret prisoner in her home gym. No, she does not. Okay, anyway, do you have any more good news?
3: Yeah, I have one more story. This is from the Guardian. Sam Sifton actually linked it to everyone that reads his newsletter, so probably all of our listenership has already read this. But um, it's basically about these teenage boys that were shipwrecked for fifteen months in the sixties, oh and they lived. They all lived. They like all found food. They created a fire. They never let go out. They all made a pact to never quarrel and if they did quarrel they would take a time out um, at one point one of the boys fell and broke his leg and they set it for him and it healed perfectly fine
2: what and did they yeah. eat the, the fattest one of them like in the book
3: no they didn't eat anyone they all ate fish and they ate bird <laughs> eggs and they there used to be a lot it's like this on un, uninhabited island so um, they at one point it was inhabited but they a slave ship drove by and picked up every single person that lived on that island and made them into slaves. Um so up in the actual like the part where the volcano has like a crater, there was actually there were chickens that had been living there wild for a hundred years after the population was turned into slaves. So they got the chickens, there was also bananas and wild taro growing there. So they lived off of all of that for 15 months. Ooh taro chips um and they lived in 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 the 60s and they didn't lord the flies each other they all got along they were all really healthy and it's an incredible story
2: that is an absolutely incredible story and so uplifting and so like mature of a bunch of young boys to be like we will never quarrel and if we quarrel we have to take a time out like i think that's probably just like good parenting someone had some good parenting on that island who made that decision
3: Maybe, yeah. They were all, like, when they were returned to the island where they were from. Actually, this part of the story is mean, but also I think it's funny. So they um, were all in school together, and they decided to skip out of school and steal a local fisherman's boat. They hated the local <gasps> fisherman. Oh, my um, God. So as soon as they came back to the island on the rescue ship, they were thrown in jail because that fucking dickhole ch- pressed charges against them for stealing his fishing boat. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. That's really crazy. It's insane. Um, just want to
2: do a very quick sidebar that is a complete non sequitur about parenting that I listened to today. So I went on a long drive today because so I was not feeling well in my brain, and uh, when I was driving, do you like Brene Brown? Do you listen to her podcast or read her books or anything?
3: No, I don't know who that is.
2: Okay, Brene Brown is, like, she gave this, like, very amazing TED Talk on shame maybe, like, a decade ago now. And she's just a wonderful, like, empath and brilliant woman who speaks a lot. She's, like, um, she's an author, and she's a researcher, and she just kind of like, researches emotions and stuff. But she has um, a podcast um, that she just started, and she had this woman who's an author who's wrote a book called Untamed. Her name is Glennon Doyle. And she mentioned this thing about parenting that I thought was so, like, I don't know, it was just so interesting. And she was like, you know, we're always taught that, like, mothers particularly should be, like, these martyrs and that they need to, like, make all these sacrifices for their children to, like, give them a good upbringing and raise them right. And, like, realistically, like, the best thing you can do as a parent is to, like, lead by example because she had like left her husband for another woman that she fell in love with and she was like so torn up about like what to do and she's like I want to show my kid that what it looks like to follow a healthy path and not to just like you know what I mean like what would I want for my daughter to do anyway I just Mm -hmm. thought it was really interesting
3: sure yeah
2: because we're just like we don't hear that messaging a lot and it just really stuck with me and then yeah
3: that sounds great yeah, it was really it was really
2: great and it really makes sense with what we're talking about.
3: <laughs>
2: yep. <laughs> so that's why I thought I'd share it. I should also mention that I've just had two glasses of wine.
3: Ooh, what kind? I'm um, drinking Lambrusco. Oh,
2: you are? I'm drinking I really have only had one glass. I've had two glasses, but they were both half full.
3: Um, Nobody cares called, how much you're drinking. Because
2: <laughs> nobody's listening. Um, except for Paulina who I wanted to shout out, Paulina Gorzon. Gorzon? I forget how to pronounce her last name. Oh my
3: god, you can't call her out if you don't know how to pronounce her name. How do you
2: pronounce Paulina's last name?
3: Gorzon. I would
2: I would never try. She's Polish, <laughs> but our dear friend Paulina um, uh, hit me up today, and she listens to every episode, and she wrote us a DM about um, where we could see an example of pie in the face because she liked our pie in the face episode.
3: She also told us what that rodent was that we didn't know what it was. Oh, yeah, a lemming. She a lemming. a
2: lot. She's constantly teaching us about the obscure facts <laughs> that we are too lazy to research. <laughs> um, I'm, re- I'm drinking one called La Rue Qui Ooh. It's French. Oh, no wonder I'm drunk. It's 13% alcohol. And it's pink bubbles.
3: Oh, yeah. I love pink bubbles. But I'm drinking red bubbles because it's my last bottle of wine. Mmm. Um, okay, so
2: should we take a little breakaroo and then we'll get into today's topic?
3: Yes, I'm very excited.
2: Okay, great. Goodbye.
3: Bye.
1: This episode is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Route 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit RT11.com.
2: And we're back! (laughs) We're back. Uh, Guys, today's topic, in case you have fallen asleep... Uh, During my rant about good parenting that I half-assedly, like, like, scrounged up from something I listened to for 10 minutes earlier today, um, we are talking about carnivals. Yep. Yep. Seamless transition. Yeah. Carnivals, carnival food, more specifically. And do I have a story for you about my favorite carnival food? That's right. Funnel cake. So... I have gotten all of my information from Wikipedia and then for my actual story story, which is about murder, I've gotten from a (laughs) very interesting article in the Des Moines Register.
3: Um, Who wrote it?
2: That's a good question. Let me look it up. Say something about funnel cake. You're right. We should mention.
3: Well, I just was reading about um, another podcaster who doesn't reference the names of the people who wrote the articles and they got in some trouble. So I don't I don't think yeah. we're getting in trouble because we're whatever, but I know what we you could mean. start saying the names of the it people. It really is
2: important. Them. And sometimes I do. And now, you know,
3: I've just gotten a little bit lazy. Yeah, but um, we should just make it a part of our process. We
2: should. Um, okay. The article is by Kathy A. Bolton, Grant, Ro- Grant Rogers, and the Des Moines Register in general. Great. It's actually really interesting. It's like an eight-part mini-video series. Ooh. So, um, funnel cake dates back to the early medieval Persian world. No way. Yes way. Um, Yeast-risen dishes were first prepared, and then later they spread throughout Europe, much like the coronavirus. Um, And then Pennsylvania Dutch people started making funnel cake and it was known as i'm not going to be able to pronounce this um <laughs> it has about 27 letters in it how um, do
3: people figure out how to use yeast i'm so confused by i that. know it's so
2: weird i mean i i believe it started with vaginal yeast of course as oh. i briefly mentioned to you earlier but there's no there's no information about that with funnel cake specifically um, if you've ever used your vaginal yeast to make funnel cake, please write into the show. Ew, you can't um, do that. It's yes, you gross. can. You can do anything you want. Nothing matters anymore. At all. <laughs> Not even close. So, in 1879, uh, right, people uh, in Pennsylvania Dutch country started doing <laughs> this, and they, they started using it and making it with um, the funnel cake with baking powder, though. Okay. Instead of yeast. So that's when it kind of transitions. Um <clears throat> In South German cuisine, the equivalent is called Strauben. Strauben. And Finnish cuisine, it is called... It looks very much like it's called tilapia, honestly. <laughs> and it translates to droplet bread. Okay. And it's served on May Day. Or as they say in Finland, vapu. Great. Uh, and in Lithuania, it's called... I don't really... I, there's no point in even trying to pronounce this. Skudzienska. Which Great. translates to an ant's nest.
3: Ew. I know. But, um, that's true though. That's what it looks like. Underground, the ants' little colonies.
2: Right, right, right. They make it like those weird little, yeah, that's true. Um, and they make it with honey stock, um, to make room for like the new honey. So they use up all their old honey and make it there. Um, in India, they make a crystallized sugary coating called jubli. And in okay. Iran, it's called Zablu, zabulia. And they don't use any baking powder, and it makes it like really, really chewy. Yeah. So this is everywhere. This is all to say that funnel cake is widespread. Oh. Everyone has a version of it. And it makes sense because it's kind of fun. No. Um, it's usually made like the beginning origins of funnel cake were made by poking holes, like in the bottom of a can, and you just like pour the. Dough through it, and it would drip into hot oil. I see. Yeah, I mean, it's great. What are your feelings about funnel cake? Love it? Hate it? Indifferent?
3: I never really had it growing (gasps) up. They had elephant ears instead. Right. Yeah, you were mentioning that last week.
2: Um,
3: I think that elephant ears are superior.
2: Now, I know an elephant ear to be something different, which is kind of like um, a laminated dough
3: kind of thing that's like
2: curled like really big and it's kind of curled in on itself on both sides but I don't think that's what
3: you're talking about. No I mean I think it might just be a regional thing um but it's just a big piece of dough that's fried. Okay okay. And then they put cinnamon and sugar over in my neck of the woods but it's made with the same like dough that they would make funnel cake with. Got it got it got it. Okay so I want to tell you a story
2: of murder at the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> this really caught my attention, I have to be honest. Um, okay, so this is a story about the Bluer family. Um, so Bobby and, Mar- not Bobby like my mom, um, but
3: <laughs> Bobby. doesn't listen
2: to this podcast, so we bo- don't even have to correct her. She would not know anything we said. We could say anything about Bobby right now. She does not listen to the show. Um, <laughs> Bobby and Marilyn Bluer began operating Flory's funnel cakes at the Iowa State Fair in the mid-1970s. And then they got, like, this most coveted spot at the Grand Concourse, and they were kind of, like, the main attraction. So, like, they were, like, of all the many, many, many people selling hot dogs and fried bologna and whatever the fucks, um, they were, like, the center of the whole fair. So everybody knew them. Um, They had originally grown up in Missouri. And they married in 1969. Um, Bobby was doing well at a recruiting company, but he really wanted to be his own boss. So um, they decided they were going to open this funnel cake business. Uh, Jamie was the bluer's oldest son, and when he was eight, he first started doing the funnel cake business. Uh, the dad. When Bobby, he was eight. <laughs> when he was eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yes. easy for an eight-year-old. That's not hard. I remember working like at the snack bar at my dad's country club that he managed sure um, child labor it's fine it, it's free uh you learn to work i mean whatever they have small hands they have tiny hands and they heal quicker yeah so when he was eight he joined the funnel cake business and he really loved it so they had three kids total and then we're gonna fast forward to 1996 now what are the most like important memories you have from the year 1996.
3: Um, my junior year of high school, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I went to the junior prom.
2: Really? Who'd you go with? Uh, Do you remember?
3: Hmm. Um, I went with a friend named Matt Hobdy.
2: <gasps>
3: Matt. Also in the marching band with me at the time. Oh my
2: god, what instrument
3: did you play? Ooh, I don't know. Trumpet, Maybe. That's cool. Last bit. I, that's not true, Matt. Although, I really would be shocked if you were listening to this. <laughs> no, what instrument did you play? Oh, I played the clarinet. Oh, I was
2: really surprised you didn't remember what instrument you played, but, you know, been long, it's been over 50 years.
3: <laughs> yeah, I told you several times I played the clarinet. You should remember this. I'm sorry.
2: Okay, so, 1996, my most significant memory is wearing baby tees with, like, vinyl
3: decals on them, and Clueless came out. Um, oh, yeah. Oh yeah I was definitely wearing I was rocking a, a grunge alternative look mm-hmm. I tried to dress like tank crawl <laughs> um, the
2: first days of the 1996 Iowa State Fair fair were nearly perfect 85 degrees with a light breeze blue skies punctuated with white cotton candy like clouds <clears throat> So on this tour that they did of the fair so obviously they lived in they didn't live in Iowa um, and they would just come down. Each season and they would stay in their trailer and so this year mm-hmm. they brought um, a gentleman with them he was like 22 his name was jeremy sneed he'd been in and out of prison um but he knew the bluers like children and they vouched for him so they brought him to work um he, jeremy was raised in nebraska he was a jehovah's witness and it really fucked him up um, he was like asked to witness at people's doors and it made him really uncomfortable. Apparently he was raped at age 9 by someone in the church and then by age 15 he was in foster home. Aww. I know. It's terrible. It's one of, you know, I mean a cycle of abuse. It's awful. Um, for the next 7 years he was in and out of jail. Uh, marijuana possession, firearm theft, evidence tampering.
3: <laughs> cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. He was part of Watergate. Um... Anyway, so he reser- he returned to Missouri, um, after the fair, but and like was I guess going back and forth, but on August eighth, the day before what happened happened, um, he unexpectedly showed back up and they put him to work, even though it was kind of weird. They just trusted him because he was like a family friend.
3: So so he was okay. Sorry, I'm he was I'm with bit- them. He left. To
2: go back to Missouri where they were from and then he okay. just like randomly showed back up. Okay. And they didn't ask that many questions because like they were a family who were employing a bunch of like, you know, you're trying to like staff a, a funnel cake stand. You're not going to be like, oh no, like let me see your, you know what I mean? They just trusted Sure, her.
3: plus the kids were like vouching for it. Also, maybe they wanted to try to get him some, give him a second chance, you Exactly,
2: know? yeah. So they weren't asking a lot of questions They're like, alright, you just pure but like get back to work. So, the morning of August 9th, nineteen ninety six, apparently there's like a long line. The two younger kids, um, there's three kids total. One still lives in Missouri with her husband and like is not helping with the fair. And then the two younger kids, who are both teenagers, are helping with the fair. Yeah. So a long line, long line is forming, and the two kids are like, where are the he-? their names are Bo and Jada, and they're like, where are our parents? Like they're not showing up. It was really weird. Um, it gets to be, like, about noon. There's no sign of their parents, Bobby and Marilyn, who are 56 and 48. And they're, like, starting to freak out. So Bo, the son, goes back to the trailer. And he says, quote, that's when everything happened. He noticed that the door was open. He opened it. He saw a roll of money on the steps. Picks it up. Thought his dad dropped it. The bus is dark. The blinds are closed. There's no lights on. Um, and then he just sees his parents. Like lying on the floor and he thinks they're napping but after a closer investigation he realizes that they're dead and they're, no. yes, they're bound and gagged um, on the floor of the family's motorhome there's blood everywhere when investigators come they find out that the safe is open and $22,000 in cash is missing holy shit right that's a lot of funnel cake money but if you think about it like I've never been to a middle American state fair or really any state fair I've only been to like the kind of small fairs in my town but like they probably rake in dough. Oh, no pun intended.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy to think that, they, I mean, yeah, that's just like, that's like so many transactions. <laughs> it's so
2: much money, right? And like, okay, so anyway, and then they probably, I mean, I would assume they're probably putting some in the bank. So, um, for the investigation narrows in on Jeremy Sneed, because obviously he's missing and a drifter. And he's a drifter. He showed back up that day. So, for 19 days, Jeremy's need crisscrosses the country after he leaves Des Moines on a bus. He blows through a duffel bag full of stolen cash. He buys tattoos, booze, drugs, and sex workers in stops from. This is the weirdest part of this whole story. It says in stops from New York to Seattle to Miami in 19 days. Like he goes from Iowa to New York to Seattle to Miami. Doesn't that seem like so crazy? I'm a boss. Well-
3: yeah, but I mean, it doesn't take that long. It like, takes, like, one day to get from New York to Miami for, like, 18 hours.
2: Right, I guess that's true. It just seems like a really strange route.
3: Um, but and also, they, so you're, they already know that it was him. They already know it's him. They're on his
2: trail, but they can't find him, probably because he's on a bus and he's not in a car where he can, like, you know, they can identify the license plate. So, uh, according to... The Des Moines Register in New York, he spends up around five hundred dollars getting a swastika tattoo redone. That's cute. So awesome in Seattle, where he leaves his bloodstained boots in a hotel room, he spends money on sex workers in L.A. He buys an Amtrak <laughs> ticket.
3: <laughs> he money. just leaves his boots in the hotel room He's a
2: bother to like bury them. Okay, no, nope, he's he's not. Maybe the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Plus, he's is like this, before,
3: is this before it is before forensic, fi- or like not. But um, what was the Not before DNA, but before the TV show. Forensic Files? No, it's not Forensic Files. It's like the cop TV show. Cops? No. It's like the one that made everyone want to become a forensic scientist. CSI? Yeah. Was CSI not on TV at this point? Like, did he not know that you could just not leave your boots in a hotel room and not get caught? I don't think like he knew a lot, honestly. And you're about (laughs) to find out why.
2: So, he then goes from... L.A. to Miami, which is a crazy long train ride. Um, <laughs> so by August 31st, he's blown through a lot of the most of the money by right, through most of twenty two thousand dollars.
3: Probably on those Amtrak tickets. That's not cheap. It's not cheap.
2: And lots of boots. If he's just leaving his boots everywhere. And swastika tickets are also I mean, swastika tattoos are expensive, too. So August 31st, he turns himself in Miami Um, and he unfolds the story of why he committed this grisly murder. So, he walks into the family's home on the 9th and tells them he's not going to kill them. He just wants the money. Um, Marilyn Blewer tried to get up from the table and then sneezed, shot her in the chest. Jesus. He fired around to the back of her husband's head, killing him. He noticed she wasn't dead yet, so he shoots her in the forehead. Um, what the fuck, but dude? Then he tells the cops that he was not acting alone. He tells detectives that the robbery and murder plot was hatched by the Bluers' oldest daughter and her husband, Jamie and Rodney Borkowski. What? Yes. It is so interesting. It gets all these twists and turns. So, so they, were, they they hired they him to, to do this. And then he didn't give them the money, he just he, ran away? Exactly. They promised that they'd give him, like, $30,000 and said he just, like uh, So the they wanted,
3: there. like, the life insurance money.
2: Exactly. They wanted the life insurance money. Um, which was, like, millions of dollars. So, uh, the Borowskis lived in a small trailer, trailer on the Bluer's property in Missouri. And they were very jealous because apparently the parents favored Bo and Jada, the younger children. And... According they, to them. According to them. Also, according to them... They said that the the dad, Bobby, um, molested uh, the kids and was, like, a piece of shit. So I don't know if that was true or not. Obviously, that's just what the kids said when they were trying to, like, avoid the death penalty, I'm sure. But so it was really their whole thing. Um, they said that the life insurance was worth more than $500,000. So anyway, in separate trials, Jamie and Rodney Borowski were convicted of two first-degree murder charges and they both received life sentences.
3: They killed their parents for $500,000. Yeah. Yep.
2: Jamie Sneed took a plea and is also doing a bid. Then, check this shit out. So what happened was that they realized that Jamie, the daughter, was actually having um, an affair with Jeremy. Because she's like writing him letters in jail.
3: Jeremy, the guy who killed the parents. Exactly. Oh my God. She
2: was actually like banging him, and the whole thing is insane.
3: So she wanted to get the money to run away with him? I guess. Yeah, I guess she wanted to get the money to run away with him. And convinced him
2: to do it. I mean, that's never been proven, but, like, it was proven that they were having an affair. Um, I mean, maybe
3: she was just sleeping with him to get him to do it, though. Who knows?
2: But it's all funnel cake. That funnel cake money. Funneling that funnel cake cash.
3: That's crazy. Those poor kids. I know. And so, yeah. I mean, if they were actually abusive, then I don't know. But.
2: Yeah, that has never been proven or talked about. Um, The other
3: kids didn't say anything about it? Yeah, they didn't say anything
2: about it at all. They didn't address it. But for two years after, Bo, the son, tried to carry out their funnel cake business. And he would hitch the red funnel cake stand with its gold wagon wheels to a pickup truck and travel with his sister Jada to fairs in the Midwest. And then he just said that he couldn't handle it anymore. He couldn't walk into the trailer without seeing their faces all the time. So he had to give up.
3: Jesus Christ. I know. Isn't that sad? It's
2: very sad. Couldn't he get a new trailer? I mean, I guess. It seems like it can be very triggering. Again, no pun intended. Just <laughs> terrible. Terrible! What people won't do for a little bit of fucking money. It's so weird. And they just think they'll get away with it.
3: I just don't understand how people think they're going to get away with things in 1996 at the height of our forensic powers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> forensic <sighs> powers. <laughs> a great band name. No <laughs> yeah, um, forensic powers. One, two, one, two, three, four. Fuck you, Brooklyn.
3: So CSI came out in 2000, so it was a you know it was a little before the murder So I guess they can be forgiven for not knowing.
2: Right. Yeah, they're just leaving <laughs> boots everywhere. God knows what else they're leaving around. But anyway, that's
3: my uh, that's my tale. That's very interesting. I thought you might like it. I never heard about this, even though I'm from sort of a neighboring, sort of neighboring state. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, I
2: thought it was crazy. People will do anything for some casual. And I guess you don't realize the other thing that I thought was interesting is like, you don't realize like how much money is in that kind of concession business, but there is a lot of money in concessions.
3: Yeah. I mean, if they're doing it they're but it's only for the summer, so they have to make it last for the whole year.
2: Right. That's true. That is a very good point. But I guess they probably do something else during the year. And it kind of is, like, fun. You're at the fair. Like, I don't know. If I had parents who had stayed married, they probably would have killed themselves in the <laughs> trailer, funnel cake trailer at the fair. <laughs> but,
3: I mean, I think it's an it's a very, like, grueling kind of a service job. Like, it's hot in there, and fair people are, I'm not going to say anything about them, but you can draw your own conclusions. <laughs>
2: totally. Also, and, I meant by like they're gonna they would kill themselves not because working a fair is bad just because my parents hated each other so if they no, had to I, work in a fair yeah yeah I don't want to fair <laughs> shame anyone
3: but I also think you know you're stuck in a little tin box for like eight hours or longer and I don't know
2: yeah it's tough I don't
3: know if I would want to do it
2: I don't think I'd want to do it either but at this point I have to consider all my options because I'm unemployed. And there's That's no... true.
3: I've been looking at buying a car and they're selling a food truck online for. I was like, I guess I could just drive this food truck off into the sunset and Ooh, then. Ooh, I'll do that with you. That sounds fun. That's... Get whatever food permits the state requires that I end up in and <laughs> see What would if you I can make?
2: What would you make in your, as your chef recommends for this week, what would you make in your food truck?
3: Oh, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Well,
2: what um... do you know how to make?
3: Not a lot that you would need to to like cook. I would make delicious Flanders nachos, which is cottage cheese on slices of cucumber. (laughs) Um, Frozen pizza. Mm -hmm. Pizza on a bagel. Mm, You can eat it anytime. French bread pizza. Okay. We like pizza around the world. (laughs)
2: Dude, I'm not kidding. I think a French bread pizza food truck could absolutely kill.
3: We can call it around the world in 80 pizzas and have 80 different kinds of pizza. Whoa. But
2: only one of each kind because there's not that much room in a truck. So like, right. We can only also serve 80, 80 a day. like
3: around the world in 10 pizzas. Okay,
2: fine. <laughs> that seems way more reasonable. Yeah. Deep dish, bar pie,
0: French bread,
2: mm-hmm. bagel. Um, calzone, does that count as a pizza?
3: I don't know. That's debatable. There's also like the the pizzas that you get at the Mediterranean restaurants.
2: Oh, like a pita pizza. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. That could great. definitely that could fly. Oh, my mom used to make a tortilla pizza in the nineteen nineties.
3: Totally. Low fat pizza.
2: Low fat pizza. She used low fat moths. She used some store bought store-bought pesto, sun dried yeah. tomatoes, and it was oh, on God. a sun-dried to- on a roasted red pepper wrap. It was the most nineties thing ever.
3: <laughs> it was delicious
2: i wish i had one right now
3: i know somebody on the internet just made a like a grilled chicken wrap and i was like whoa i want that hell yes grilled
2: chicken is delicious i love a grilled chicken
3: yeah slice up in a wrap with some lettuce and tomato and olives or i don't know what the hell's on there oh yeah man
2: we we turned our noses up at wraps way too soon also they're not really that much like lower in calories than bread they're just smushed bread
3: <laughs> it's true, but it's fun to have like a rolly sandwich.
2: Oh yeah, I love it. Oh man, I'm exhausted. Should we get out of here?
3: Yeah. alright Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. 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 Smell you later. Um, <laughs> hang in there, kiddos. I hope that you all have a good week and that you feel good. And maybe some of you might be getting back to work.
3: And long. also, we're we're gonna have a special episode, right? Oh
2: yeah, special episode. Special mini with our friends from the Service Workers Coalition.
3: Oh, I have a correction. I forgot. Oh, please. Last week, I said that the place that had cotton candy outside of it was a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown. And in fact, it's a Japanese restaurant on St. Mark's. So uh-huh. I'm a terrible racist person. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Amanda, for pointing that out to us. And it is really cool. But I hope it makes it through the COVID because... God, remember St. Mark's Avenue?
2: <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Katie today was saying, she's really funny. So Katie, who's the executive director of HRN, we are chatting, and she was like, dude, because she's just recently had a child, and so she's like, I haven't done this for a while before Corona. She's like, but do you remember trying on clothes? <laughs> and I was like oh my god no (laughs) like I don't and like you'll just never do that again not for a long time
3: well I think trying on clothes is better because you're alone like you're in a room by yourself I
2: know but you're just like putting on from how we're being first of all I would have no issue trying on clothes but I mean we're being cautioned to you know do absolutely Uh... anything
3: Right, because the clothes are touched by everyone else.
2: Right. and so Yeah, I mean,
3: that's just like my whole entire, the things that bring me joy in my life are the things that are we're never going to be able to do again, which is like go to the movies, go to a thrift store, go to a bookstore. Yeah. Can't do any of that. Go ever to a restaurant. Now. I mean, I think that we're going to be able to go to restaurants. They're doing it already in other states. But um, just like the places where you spend the most time are the places you're more likely to get contracted, yeah. get ex- more exposure time. So just, like, standing in a used bookstore for, like, two hours? Mm.
2: Nope. I know, it's weird. It really is, like, weird. It's really weird to think about life before, because, you know, in a situation like this, you just go into, like, whatever mode it is. You're like, okay, this is what we're doing now. There's no other choice. Like, we're just doing it, and you, like, adapt, and, like, you don't realize how much you miss just, like, simple things that used to kind of make your life feel, like, Good, you know, right? Yeah, because life is like a weird thing, and it's really tough for some people emotionally or actually practically, and like all those things are. I don't know, just things we would do to like. I'm getting really sad right now.
3: (laughs) Don't be sad. I am sad about the movie theater thing because even if we are allowed to go back, I don't know if I'm gonna feel comfortable going to a movie theater. You know.
2: Mm -hmm. What if you knew that you had had corona? would you go to the movie theater?
3: If I knew that I had had it?
2: Yeah. Like if antibody testing was like effective and like reliable, would you go to the movie
3: theater? I don't know. I mean, like that's like a to me that that's not a reality that's ever going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> um, that would also mean that like, I would have to somehow get it and then I don't want to do that. And so but you might've already had it. I really don't think that I had it. I mean, who knows? It's asymptomatic, but...
2: I really think I did have it. Yeah. In late September.
3: But, like, I just... Yeah. If I already had it, sure, I would feel comfortable going anywhere, but if I don't, and there's no reliable test, there's no way for me to know for sure, so I'll never have that peace of mind. You never go eat tater tots at the movie theater ever again. I actually just got a survey from um, one of the Movie theaters where you can eat inside a car and brew. Which one? I think Nighthawk, and they had all these like they were like fill out this survey, and they're like, would you feel comfortable going to the movies if every other seat was empty, and would you feel comfortable if nobody touches your food? And I'm like, how am I gonna get my How would you eat it then? Well, no one besides you. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure going be doing that anyway. Um, right, but how the, how are they gonna get it to me if they don't touch it? <laughs>
2: These are all great <laughs> questions. These questions and more answered on next week's episode of Life's <laughs> Banquet.
3: Yeah. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks for listening. Go to hell. I mean, goodbye. Hasta la <laughs> Bye. Bye. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast.